Hey everyone, welcome to My Wife the Dietitian, a weekly podcast about lifestyle and healthy eating. I'm Rob and together with my wife Sandra, we invite you to join us on this informative yet entertaining journey through the complex world of healthy eating. We'll cover everything but the kitchen sink. Each week we'll discuss topics ranging from how to protect yourself from developing cancer, spicy foods to rev up the libido, to caring for your palliative grandfather with Alzheimer's. We'll also delve into more complex issues like, what the heck is oat milk? Why doesn't my butt fit into these jeans? And every guy's favorite question, will eating spinach really make it bigger? Join us each week as we strive to educate, enlighten, and entertain you. What do wheat, rye, barley, and oats have in common? These four foods contain an element that people living with celiac disease have to completely avoid. Gluten is that element. What do I eat if I can't eat bread, pizza, cereal, chicken nuggets, or fish sticks anymore? So much of our food supply is based on foods containing gluten that it can be really challenging for a person diagnosed with celiac disease. Join Rob and I as we discuss celiac disease and gluten-free living. Hello, Sandra. Hi, Rob. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Welcome to, uh, what episode are we on now? Episode 40. You are always keeping track of that, and I never know. And I always sound surprised. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> episode 40? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a lot of episodes. It is a lot of episodes, actually. Um, episode 40, that's where we're at today. And what are we talking about today? We're talking about celiac disease and gluten-free living. Oh, okay. Um, I'll I'll just let you start and I'm going to, I do have some questions, but I'll just let you get started and I'll pose my questions as, as they come up. Great. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about um, what is celiac disease and what proportion of the population is affected, what the symptoms are, um, diagnosis and the process of diagnosing and why eating gluten-free products isn't the best way forward with celiac disease uh, that sounds controversial, I know. Importance of healing the gut. And what about dairy? And we're going to talk about the four main foods that have uh, the common gluten-containing foods, where all the other foods originate from. Right. And five ways to support health, lifelong health with celiac. Sounds awesome. That sounds like a, uh, a very full show. Yeah, well, there's a lot to cover because it's pretty uh, comprehensive. Yeah, it seems like it is. All right, so we're going to start with obviously a definition, uh, which is kind of where my question starts, I guess. Okay, like what is celiac? Well, it's an autoimmune disease. Okay, so there's celiac, there's like gluten intolerance, gluten sensitivity, people who just choose not to eat gluten because it's like the trendy diet thing to do. So I presume they're all different, right? Yeah, or well, similar but different. Yeah, there's a bit of a continuum, right? But yeah. um, with celiac disease, it's an autoimmune disease that you basically have to cut out gluten for your life. Yeah, it's have like a gluten the extreme diet. end of the of the spectrum. Yeah, the gluten in food damages the intestinal lining because it's an autoimmune response. Okay, and in our gut, we have all these um, like finger like. Uh, villi right 
and it's in the small intestine. And basically they increase the surface area so that our food can be absorbed and, and digested. And that's where our nutrients are absorbed through the finger, the villi. Right. And in someone with celiac disease, when they have gluten, all those fingers flatten. So they don't have any absorptive area in their small intestine to absorb the nutrition. They can't do their job. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically the gluten damages the intestinal lining and uh, cause all these little villi fingers to go flat. And then you don't absorb your, your essential fatty acids. You don't absorb um, a lot of the vitamins and minerals and all the nutrients that nutrients. you need. Exactly. And and it's from like a very small bit of gluten. It's not like you have to eat a whole bowl of spaghetti to get that effect. You can get it from just licking a spoon that might have touched or sharing a knife that spread peanut butter on someone else's toast. Yeah, like a crumb on the cutting board or a crumb, like a toast crumb in the toaster. Yeah, it's crazy. on the butter, even smell like the airborne flower in the air can affect some people. They can be that sensitive um, and have that strong of a gluten intolerance. Yeah. So you probably don't want to work in a bakery if you're celiac, right? Because that would be obviously dangerous to be in that environment, right? Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It it's affects 1% of the population in the US and in Canada. And uh, genetically... 1% of the Caucasian population. So it's basically 3 million people globally have celiac. Well, that's not a lot. It's, I mean, there's a lot globally. of people that genetically have it, but their genes have not been turned on. I so see. it so might be they're sitting... predisposed to it, but they haven't, it hasn't uh, sort of reared its ugly head. Yeah, exactly. And what turns the genes on? Sometimes it could be um, stress. In our environment, like environmental changes, stress, poor diet, spending too much time indoors, screen time, like all those, um, even like getting a sickness or an illness, a flu, can actually turn on the gene for celiac. Oh, interesting. And people sometimes have symptoms for years because there's over 200 or, yeah, more than 200 symptoms, potential symptoms. So um, the most common are anemia and bloating, gas, diarrhea, fatigue, weakness, pain, cramping, skin problems, joint aches, nutritional deficiencies. And with kids, it's failure to thrive and not growing. Okay. And it, the average celiac person with, living with celiac disease has gone through about five doctors and taken 11 years for their symptoms to be properly diagnosed and actually have the diagnosis of celiac disease, which at that point, you're actually relieved because a lot of times the doctor might say, oh, it looks like it could be ulcerative colitis or celiac. And then you get the biopsy and you get a definitive diagnosis of celiac disease. And then there's a treatment is gluten-free living, basically cut out gluten and be super careful with having no gluten in your environment or in your diet and you can live a long, healthy life. Yeah. So it's not like a, a medical treatment. It's a lifestyle treatment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, taking something out of the, out of your environment and your diet. Right. And you were saying that it's, it's a better diagnosis than some of the other ones that 
it might be disguised as? Well, yeah, there's a lot of different gut, uh, like um, IBD, Crohn's, colitis. And celiac's like easier to manage, is that? Yeah, it's easier, exactly. Because uh, with like colitis, for instance, you don't know when it's going to hit. You don't know, like you have no kind of warning. And so it's hard to manage it. Whereas with celiac, you know what the culprit is. You know that's that gluten, if you are around gluten, that you will have a um, a flare up. Right. It's like a peanut allergy, I guess. You know what sets it off and you know what you need to avoid and yeah. how to keep your hands clean around peanuts and peanut butter and other people who are well, eating. That, that's a good example of some people say, oh, can, you know, can I have a cheat day or maybe on Sundays I'll have a little bit of gluten. But someone living with celiac will know that you can't do that. It's like a peanut with a peanut allergy. Like you basically have got to remove it and you can't have any because it causes this the flattening of the villi and so you get all the symptoms and it's really detrimental to have gluten in your life. Yeah, sounds like it. The symptoms are, um, I mentioned over 200 symptoms. They're very non-specific, and that's why they could be other, like it could be disguised as ulcerative colitis or uh, Crohn's or other bowel conditions. Yeah, it makes it hard to diagnose. Yeah, and really you shouldn't start a gluten-free diet until you're diagnosed. It's really important because with the diagnosis, you'll probably have some blood work and a scope and the scope, you need to have gluten in your diet so that the villi are all flat. So when you have the scope or biopsy, they can actually see the condition of your intestine and it'll show, it'll be evident that you do have celiac because all the villi are flattened. Yeah. It's like taking your car to the mechanic and saying, oh, it it makes this funny noise, but it isn't making it right now. It was making it earlier today and the mechanic will be like, well, I can't fix it if I can't hear the funny noise. You need to bring it to me when it's making the funny noise so I can, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And you know, it's interesting because there's more awareness around gluten-free, like there's a lot of gluten-free options at restaurants and gluten-free products in the stores. And people know about gluten-free, but for a lot of people, it's not a severe, it's not the celiac disease. So they, maybe people with celiac disease aren't taken as seriously, like in restaurants, for instance, because maybe the servers aren't educated. They don't realize that celiac means no gluten, like no gluten. Like at all. Yeah. And you almost need, exactly. You need like to have an advocate with you when you go out for a meal, if you're a, if you are someone who lives with celiac disease, because then the other person maybe could be your advocate and just keep asking the server, okay? Even like asking when you're ordering and then as the food comes out, like actually look at every part, okay? Is there any gluten in this gravy? Is there any gluten in this salad dressing? Is there any gluten, you know, in any part of the meal? Because if there is, then that could set the person with celiac disease back a couple weeks. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a big, uh, it's a big hassle for sure. It's more than a hassle. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely, a, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, someone who lives with celiac, it's like, if you think of being stabbed in the gut and so, okay, you remove the knife. I heard this on another podcast and I thought that was a really good analogy. You remove the knife. So you remove the gluten, but you still have a lot of healing 
for all of the injury that has happened with the gluten. Right. So it takes time and healing and, you know, making sure that you're getting the restorative sleep and, you know, rest that your body needs to get over that injury. For sure. And to heal and become strong again. So it's uh, it's not just, you know, taking the gluten out. It's really looking after yourself and taking sick days or whatever you need to have that uh, your body heal. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think like you were saying before too with with the high prevalence of gluten free like the gluten free diet trend that's been around for a few years now it, it has sort of uh, it's been like a, a a disservice to people with celiac because someone who chooses to eat gluten free isn't necessarily going to have you know these these serious health issues if they eat gluten so going out to a restaurant, you know, like if, if the cook accidentally like puts the wrong spoon in the sauce and gets a little bit of gluten in there, it's not the end of the world. You know, exactly. Like yeah. It's, it's mostly gluten free. You know, we can say it on our menu, blah, blah, blah. And we'll, we'll do our best. And, but you know, for someone with celiac, when they order that gluten free product at the restaurant, they need for it to be guaranteed that it's 100% gluten-free. Exactly, exactly. And, and unless you like want to identify yourself as celiac and, and people understand what that means, you know, everyone will sort of probably start treating you like you're just one of those gluten-free eaters and it's okay if there's a little bit in there and no, no big deal, but... Yeah, yeah, because I mean, gluten sensitivity, by contrast to celiac disease, it's not a sentence to a life of gluten avoidance. So people with gluten sensitivity uh, can eat wheat without risking serious damage to their small intestine, but they could enjoy wheat products in moderation. Yeah, like they should avoid it, but it's okay if they get a little bit. Yeah, they might have some, you know, um, bloating or gas. Uh, they might find that when they do eat gluten that they have some symptoms and it's, you know, doesn't feel good and their maybe overall energy isn't very good. But it's a different, it's different than the autoimmune disease of celiac disease. It's like with a lot of people in eating like birthday cake. It's not something you should do every day, but, you know, once in a while, a special occasion, it's okay to have a piece of cake. It's not going to kill you. Right, right. But, it would, but with celiac, you can't, you cake, know, you yeah, know, yeah. if it's made with regular flour. For sure, yeah. Because that's what I want to talk to you about, um, the common gluten-containing foods. So the four main foods that all the products are basically that have gluten are from wheat, which includes durum and spelt and kamut and triticale, uh, rye, barley, and oats. So wheat, rye, barley, and oats. And oats in some countries is basically, doesn't even matter if they're uncontaminated oats, um, they're not allowed on a celiac diet because most oats are grown in a mixed field with wheat or barley and or they're cross-contaminated in the production facilities. So most oats aren't truly gluten-free. Oh, okay. So for celiacs, uh, wheat, rye, rye, barley, and oats are the main ones. And then you think of all the food in our, in our food supply. You think of pizza and pasta and bread and cereals and cakes and cookies and 
any breaded products, chicken nuggets, fish sticks, sometimes, oh, sauces and gravies and condiments. Ice cream can have gluten. Bacon can have infusions of like a wheat, a liquid wheat in there. Wow. Um, there some supplements, toothpaste. There's some surprising places where there's gluten. So soy sauce is one. Hand sanitizer. Really? Yeah. Not that you're eating it, but if you have the gluten, uh, if you have celiac, then even if there's gluten in hand sanitizer or toilet paper, just ingesting, like breathing that in could cause a problem for you. Wow. And cosmetics too, right? So yeah, some cosmetics, medication, if you feed pets and then they lick your face, if there's wheat or gluten in the pet food, uh, herbs and spices, licorice, even wow. there's actually, they found gluten in some of the colonoscopy prep kits. Seriously? Yeah. So you're going to go have for your, you know, your scope and there's gluten in, in some of the products that you have to take for. Wow. That's crazy. So it's, it's, you know, it's really serious for someone that has celiac and, and just like you said about the peanut allergy, it's the same kind of thing. It's an allergy to, or it's an it's an immune response, an allergy to the gluten in wheat. Yeah, yeah. It's not just a uh, a food choice, you know, like like the gluten free diet. That's that's choosing to not include gluten in your diet for whatever reasons. But this is a this is for health reasons, like serious health reasons. So there's a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason I said why eating gluten free products isn't the best way forward with celiac disease, it's because when I say gluten free products, that to me means they're convenient, they're ultra processed, they're packaged. So um, it's like with... And they're more expensive. Yes, exactly. Companies have to label, like when they add the label gluten-free, it costs money for the company. So there's a lot of um, naturally gluten-free products by ingredient. So like lentils, for instance, or um, black beans, most whole vegetables and fruits, they don't have gluten. Yeah, like the, the apple you pick off your tree in the backyard isn't going to be, it's not processed. Yes. And it doesn't naturally contain gluten. Exactly, exactly. So, and it doesn't say gluten-free on it, but it is gluten-free. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, what you're trying to say is you don't have to just buy gluten-free products. Yeah, and the gluten-free products are usually highly processed. So a lot of times they have added flavorings, added preservatives, sugar, salt, coloring. So it's just, you know, just the same as any ultra processed food that we're trying to kind of eat more whole foods, minimally processed. So the same with the celiac disease. So with those four main foods, yes, are there, well, sorry, not the four main foods, but all those foods that you, that you said, like the soy sauce and condiments and gravy and all the foods that you listed, how would somebody know if there's gluten in that? Like, are there certain words in the ingredients they need to look for that identify that, that it's gluten containing? Yeah, that's a good question. There are different words, so gluten and wheat, um, modified corn, starch, um, any like starch, any foods that are thickeners or bulking agents or uh, let's see, when you're looking at the label, if it doesn't say gluten-free and you're trying to figure it out, um, there's an excellent resource the Canadian Celiac Association has an excellent kind of label reading guide and it goes through all the different words and also 
when you're shopping, it's really important. Every time you shop, every time you go to the store, every time you buy something, you have to read the label each time, even if it's a favorite ingredient or a food that you know and you trust. Companies change their formulations all the time and something that used to have no gluten could now all of a sudden because the process is cheaper to have it in there or whatever reason. So now it could all of a sudden not be celiac friendly. Yeah. And a lot of companies will make a variety of different foods. I remember reading some product we had when we were doing our label uh, reading episode and it was something like, um, I don't know, it was cereal or... I don't know what it was, crackers maybe, but it, it had something, uh, a warning on it, like may contain nuts or something like that. But it was like, there wasn't any nuts in the product at all to begin with. I'm like, well, how, why would there be nuts in there? But the company also makes things that have nuts and cross-contamination within the, the factory or whatever, I guess, you know, so that's why they have to put the warning on there. But I'm like, there's no nuts in this. Oh yeah, I think it was like crackers and there was may contain milk products. Yeah, something weird, like something completely unrelated. So yeah, like Sandra was saying, you got to be careful with with the wheat and the gluten, even in products that you're pretty sure don't have them to begin with. Just just make sure that they uh, they're not listed on the label there. Yeah, absolutely. And to back up a little bit with. diagnosis, it can happen any stage of life. So it can happen for someone who's a baby to elderly. So it can happen at any time in life. And a lot of times it happens when you are under stress, or pregnancy is another time for a woman, her body is like it's changing, and it's under uh, stress, and it could you could develop celiac at that point, or having some sort of a viral infection can be another cause. Is there, is there any uh, evidence showing like men versus women? Is, is it more prevalent with one? Yeah, it is actually. Women oh, yeah. are diagnosed two to three times more than men. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess the, the one plus is you'll be probably a really healthy eater, especially if you're eating whole unprocessed foods and reading the labels. I mean, those are all things that we stress every week with just things you should be doing in order to be eating healthy and having good a good diet. Yeah. So Yeah, it does. I mean, it kind of forces you to learn how to cook from scratch more often because that way you're controlling what goes in your food. Yeah, you'll feel safer for sure. Definitely. And after diagnosis, a good idea is to just go through your cupboards and your fridge and throw out flour, pasta, sauces, condiments, um, like clean out anything that has any of the ingredients with uh, with gluten. And then, you know, maybe, well, replace those eventually with the gluten-free version. Alternatives, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what, if, what if you're living with a family and you've got you know, young kids who like to eat their peanut butter sandwiches and they like their noodles and like... That's a good question. Is it recommended that the whole family changes? Well, every family is different, but for some people, they will have a separate drawer in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, and and a pantry area. Like if, say, you have roommates and you want to educate everybody in the family so that they realize that this is a serious condition. It's not, you're not just 
deciding to take some, you know, just to have gluten-free products. It's you have celiac and you need to be really careful with the gluten, any wheat or gluten in the house. With some families, they'll actually not even have pasta for everybody. They'll just get a different, like a gluten-free pasta. And then it, everyone can have that meal because there's no mix up if there's leftovers of the regular pasta and then the person with celiac eats that and oh darn it wasn't the gluten-free pasta. And right, that's true. I so, guess it's like having uh, someone in your house with a different, uh, you know, like vegetarian or vegan and... and or you an have allergy. To, or an allergy, yeah, peanut yeah. allergy or whatever, milk allergy. You just have to ad- adjust and figure out what works in your household. Yeah, actually when you mentioned milk, um, what about dairy? What well, about it? <laughs> well, a lot of people actually develop a secondary lactose intolerance because of, remember I said the flattening of the villi in the small intestine. So you've lost the surface area and that's where the lactase enzymes hang out is they're on the surface area of the villi. Oh, really? And so they help, they're like little scissors and they help uh, you a person digest their milk. Um, so it's it digest the milk sugar, the lactose they cut it into the two smaller milk sugars. So if you don't have the enzyme to do that, then you will have a lactose intolerance and then you have the bloating, the diarrhea, the cramps. So similar symptoms that you experienced when you were trying to find your diagnosis of celiac. Wow. That's kind of like kicking you when you're down. Yeah. It's like we're going to take away bread and wheat and all those good things that you like and... We're also going to take away dairy. I know, I know. So yeah, once you get, once you start healing and you've taken gluten out of the diet and your villi starts to grow back, you have those lovely long fingers of surface area to absorb and digest all the nutrients, you could get back the lactase enzyme to help digest milk sugar again. Right. So, or there are products like you can buy like a tablet, a lactase tablet you take before having milk products or, and I think we'll do a whole episode on lactose intolerance because it is quite a huge uh, issue and, and things, uh, something that people are interested in knowing about. Yeah. I think it affects quite a few people as well. Yeah, absolutely. So five ways to support health with celiac. Well, overall, like in a holistic way, you want to make sure that you're getting enough sleep. So restful, healing sleep every night. Sleep is always good. It's it's so important for your overall health and immune system and getting stronger. Yeah. And we did an episode on sleep a while back too that uh, goes in depth a bit more about the importance of sleep and how it affects your nutrition and your overall health. So if you're interested in that, you can tune in. It's like episode 16 or 15 or somewhere around there. Scroll through our list of our long list of episodes. So episode 16, sleep problems and diet. Yeah, there it is. Number two is exercise, movement, walking activity. So any way to move your body to maintain your lean muscle, that will help your body stay strong and and help with healing and um, improve your overall health. Yeah, again, I mean, something we should all be doing anyway, but even more important, I guess, if you're trying to heal from something, there's, yeah, it's more of a priority. Absolutely. 
Um, number three is mindset. So that mind body connection and just helping your overall stress level and helping to decrease the anxiety of having celiac. Yeah. And everybody, everybody has different ways of doing that. So find a, find a way that works for you, whether it's, um, journaling or, or doing yoga or something like that. Um, just a different way to de-stress and make that part of that or make it part of your regular daily routine. Yeah. Good idea. Excellent. We should do a whole episode on, on that. Rob's top 10 tips on how to (laughs) chill out. (laughs) Instead of using, um, I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of people reach for sweets or, you know, the comfort foods or alcohol, you know, to help to de-stress. And those probably aren't the most healing ways when you're trying to live with a an illness like this. Yeah, they feel like they work, but physiologically, your body uh, disagrees. And it's not an illness. It's an illness when it's in an acute phase, like when you're healing from it. But once you take gluten out and you avoid it and have a lifetime of no gluten, then you can be healthy. Exactly. And diet is so important. So that's number four. So we we talked about removing the gluten-containing foods, everything with wheat, rye, barley, and oats. And number five is supplements. So people might need to have uh, probiotics to help with their gut biome. They might need digestive enzymes to help with digesting the nutrients. Fish, making sure you're having fish twice a week, or if you don't like fish, then omega-3 fatty acids and a fish oil supplement. Uh, Multivitamin, so that you're getting all your B vitamins and all of a little bit of everything. And vitamin D, and we're going to do a whole episode on vitamin D because we're coming up to that time of the year to uh, that it's really important that everybody gets enough vitamin D coming into the winter. Yeah, because we we usually get it from the sunshine, but uh, in Canada and the northern the northern hemisphere uh, countries of the world, um, we're severely lacking. Yeah, in in a lot of the months of the year, and, and vitamin D is uh, it's incredibly important to have. Absolutely, yeah. And there's some resources out there for people that have celiac. So I mentioned the Canadian Celiac Association. There's badgut.org, which is the Canadian Intestinal Society, sorry, Society of Canadian Intestinal Research. Right. Badgut.org. It's an excellent resource for anyone that has issues with uh, gut problems and health um, and celiac. And then there's a lot of different podcasts out there too. Celiac Straight Talk. Um, functional nutrition podcast. So there's various ones that we'll put in the show notes. Yeah, and they deal specifically with celiac, and it's often someone who has celiac that's basically sharing their journey. So they're they're good to listen to as well because you can get some more specific information. Absolutely, yeah. And the Canadian Celiac Association has a lot of resources for um, out in society and going to the grocery store and what to be um, mindful of when you have celiac. Yeah, it's practical. The practical day-to-day stuff. Yeah. My thinking is it's overwhelming and challenging up front, but once you've got your head wrapped around it and you've you've adjusted your household and you know you know what to do when you go to a restaurant, um, all those types of things, I think it's it's probably gets a lot easier. 
I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's definitely a learning curve. And I think it's a a learning curve for everyone, for your family members and for your friends and your community so that, you know, you don't want someone to just think flippantly that, oh yeah, whatever, they can't eat gluten. Sure. Me neither. I can't eat gluten and, and then slip, you know, give them pasta or give them bread that has gluten and, you know, they're, they'll be out for a couple of weeks with, uh, being sick. So it's really important for people to understand how, how severe celiac disease is with regards to gluten. Yeah. And like I said before too, I think you'll likely end up being more healthy in the big picture just because you're really watching what you eat and you're likely going to be eating healthier foods. So yeah, well there, that's the opportunity anyways. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of a forced opportunity, but uh, take it for what it is if you're in that predicament. So Rob, let's do a recap here. Okie doke. All right. Five ways to support lifelong health while living with celiac. Number one. Sleep. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Always a good thing, right? Absolutely. All right. Two. Uh, what is two? Exercise. Exercise also. Activity. Something walking, we should all movement. be doing, but uh, yeah, very important. Three, mindset and relaxation and mind-body connection. <sighs> yes, relax. Four, diet. Diet. That should be number one, but it's on the list. These are all really important. So yes, diet's always a, a big one. Absolutely. And, that's and not what... just, yeah, diet means good nutrition. Exactly. Right? We're trying to, yeah, eat well. To support your health. Exactly. And, and number five. Is supplements. Supplements. The specific supplements. Exactly. So we did a episode, two episodes actually early on, I think it was episode three and four that was on immunity. And a lot of that dealt with um, certain supplements that we either Covered. through food or through a supplement form need to be having in our, in our diet. Right. Uh, so it's a good reference. And a lot of the things that we need to be taking uh, that we mentioned in this episode, uh, you can get some more information on those in episode three and four. Absolutely. If you like this episode, please share with your family and friends, especially those who may benefit from the information. Give us a like or a five-star review on your podcast application, or connect with us on our website, mywifethedietitian.com, or sign up for our newsletter. You can also check out our Facebook page. We're uh, on there uh, fairly often with some fun things, so another place to reach us. So that is it for this week. Uh, tune in next week, and we'll have some uh, something else up for for your listening pleasure. Thanks, Rob. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on My Wife the Dietitian. If you like what you heard, don't be shy. Leave us a comment or review and be sure to share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to hear more, hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on our social media pages for updates, episode trailers, and other odds and ends. For more info and links on what we discussed on today's episode, check the show notes. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun-filled episode. 